back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I am Chris, a.k.a. Not the Fake Webby, and I am joined, as always, by Jake, a.k.a. Hal. Hey, uh, it's good to be back. Um, want to start this pod real quick with a shout-out for Kuka Hill, who's taken over the Lockdown Pistons podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited for him, and uh, I, I think uh, you're going to see a lot more energy in that that uh, podcast moving forward i'll just i'll tell you that much so shout out to friend of the program coup and uh wishing him luck as he starts takes takes on a big project let me tell you that's it's doing one a day is hard (laughs) nothing but love for coup also can we talk about how he (laughs) somehow got uh kd (laughs) banned uh by shannon sharp (laughs) kd blocked yeah (laughs) yeah you got kd blocked (laughs) I had people that like. I mean, it's Shannon like, Sharp's don't even fault follow for the being a gigantic asshole. That. But <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hilarious that he's just right in the middle of it. <laughs> like his tweet is what started it all. That's great. So shouts as always to Koo. Oh, all the love that for Koo. A very fun time on Twitter this morning. <laughs> All right, so looking uh, kind of back to last week, the Pistons, they are still on their West, or they just got done with their West Coast road swing, yeah, right? They no more, no more 10 o'clock games, thank God. Yeah, I saw that one on Twitter. <laughs> it's like, that is much love, especially for me, who, like, <laughs> when I catch Pistons games, I usually work at 7 the next morning, so the West Coast ones are yeah, brutal. Same. But yeah, same. Those, those are a stretch even for out. night owls like us. Yep, yep. Managed to sneak out a couple wins, beat Thunder, beat the Kings. So, probably better than I would have expected and would have hoped. But, I mean, <laughs> we at least had some good basketball in there. We had a couple of good, uh, good games there. So, And more importantly, we had more Killian Hayes, and that's all that matters. Yes, we did have some Killian. He got some rest as well, so I'm happy about that. We weren't overworking him, but uh, we definitely get, get to see him play and kind of... He's starting to He's starting to get a little bit of a feel of it, so... Yeah. All right. So do you want to start with your first thing you saw last week? Um, I've been holding on to this one for a while. Uh, Hamadou Diallo loves bounce okay. passes. Loves them. Oh, that's specific. It's, it, he just, like, there's a whole bunch of times where, like, you think, oh, like, just this is where a chest pass should happen, and no, it's a bounce pass. It just one of those, like, little player traits that you get to, to know as you spend a lot more time watching a player, and Hamadou Diallo loves bounce passes. That's my thing. Interesting. I have not. I can't say I picked up on that <laughs> when I've seen him play. I, as a player, I love watching him play, and I'm a fan of bounce passes. So, like, I'm here for that. Maybe that's subconsciously been a reason why I liked him more. Yeah, I forget what team it is. There's a college team whose coach like coaches like strictly bounce passes, and they do everything with the bounce pass. And every time I watch that college team, I, I can't remember who it is. It's like, my God, it's a whole different universe. Like, every pass is the bounce pass. It's all so fundamental. <laughs> That's a really good question. I'm trying to look it up right now, but <laughs> I'm, like, trying to Google it. I, ca- I can't even say I've... I can't it's say not I've like a thought of a college. team or at least noticed them. Are they, like, a big... They're, okay. they're, 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 they're a mid-level hmm. D1 college. Um, and I, it just... Okay. But it's like a Vanderbilt <laughs> There's some of that you'd watch occasionally. Yeah. Okay, not too small. And I, I just yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll think of it. It's a very, very specific one <laughs> that you've been thinking on. So we'll hold on, we'll hold on to that for now. But yeah, 
I would say, so the main thing that I saw last week, or at least what I got the most enjoyment out of, is uh, Corey Joseph having his revenge game against the Kings. <laughs> Just I'm sorry. going off and almost single-handedly winning that game for us. Who who was watching Corey Joseph when Killian Hayes played that game? Who cares? I mean, fair. But I'm saying he had what will probably go down as his best game as a piston, which is coming out and just draining everything. He what, he had like a step back three bounce off the back bounce off the backboard and go in, like or something he had some like crazy like wild circus shot that I saw. So, I just had to give props to him what will <laughs> Hopefully be I hope we don't end up giving too many more props to him because I do not love watching Corey Joseph play. Uh, he has played well. No, and I agree. Coming away from DeLon Wright with that quality of player plus picks ends up looking pretty good, I guess. Um, I mean, I still like, have like I've said before. I think all these Corey Joseph sticks around, but. Like like I said before, I think all he's going to be is just salary in a trade. Like he's going to be a good person that will be shipped to like a a Milwaukee to let them get off a contract. That's what I see him as. So yeah, I mean maybe this I guess this run we'll gives him value. Um, like maybe somebody's willing to take him on at this price or something. I don't know because like to me his value is the I don't non guaranteed contract. See. But um, yeah, exactly. I don't I don't see him being. I don't see him filling out that partial guarantee so but yeah we'll see <laughs> uh so next thing for me um and this is a little bit of a complaint about killian that i've mentioned in the past but he has like you know how in like soccer they'll mention like a guy's back lift when he like shoots and they'll be like wow he shot that without any back lift and when mm-hmm. what they're talking about is like a guy like lifts his foot really far back um like a, a golfer's backswing before he kicks the ball. And, like, Killian is doing that when he passes. Um, like, he's, like, really loading up the baseball pass and, like, holding on to it for an extra second. And it makes it pretty easy to, like, anticipate sometimes when he's passing. Um, so, like, something... I guess this could have gone in my something I'd like to see in the future segment, too, but... Um, just like need to see him get a little more like wrist in the pass and a little less elbow in that pass so that he can get them off in tighter windows and be a little less predictable. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that is something, oh, another very specific, I guess, complaint about it. Do you think it's something that's really holding his passing game back? Do you think it's like really I that think it's been pounced on a few times. Nuisance? Especially when okay. he's doing, like, one-handed passes. Because he, like, brings it, like, all the way back past his shoulder sometimes. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Another thing that I I guess I haven't picked up on. That is some very specific uh, inside baseball <laughs> <laughs> notices there. Um, let's see. What else uh, did I see? Isaiah Stewart, he had a good game uh, last week. I think it was also the Kings game as well, where he started for Plumlee. Yep. And he looked pretty good, especially on the boards. He was kind of our only person down there against a, a relatively tall um, Sacramento team because he had to bang with, what, Whiteside and Holmes and yep. uh, the other guy, the lottery guy, is still not out yet. He's still not playing. Uh, what's his name? Bagley? Ah, from Duke. Bagley, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Bagley, yeah, I think, has been out hurt. for a hot minute, so. Yeah, but still, like... Holmes and Whiteside are still two like yep. legit yeah. NBA centers. I, I mean, Rashard no Holmes is a legitimately them, so. good NBA center. 
it hurts me so much he's on the Kings. Like, God, like, why could he have, like, still been the backup on the Suns or something and be, like, on a yeah. useful team? Yeah, that, <laughs> that irks basically me. anyone on the Kings, you're like, damn, why are they wasted there? For the most part. I mean, I think Harrison Barnes fits just perfectly on the Kings. <laughs> he is, like, the epitome of a Kings player, so. <laughs> yeah, beyond him, yeah. There's so many, like, more interesting spots that I'd like to see a lot of other players on. But regardless, for, for Stewart, especially, holding the zone against some bigger centers and stuff like that, it's good to see, especially in a game where he played, like, 30-some minutes. So that was a, a nice positive, something maybe you can look forward to in the future. Yeah. Um, another really specific one from me. What the hell? Who taught Saban Lee how to shoot a floater? Have you seen his floater? <laughs> I'm trying like, to think. Of, I'm trying to picture it in my head. Like so, what I can't he does? See, I have why <laughs> he he brings it up like he's about to chest pass the ball. So like two hands on the ball, one kind of behind the ball, and one like in front of it. And then he like brings it up and he mm. uses the hand that's in front of the ball to like he like brushes it upwards to give it like the backspin and then pushes it with the the main hand. So it's like a two handed floater mm. with like a bunch of crazy spin it's not your normal like reggie jackson used to like unfurl that one long arm like seven and a half feet into the air no 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 not with saban lee it's just it's it's wild i have no idea what's going yeah. on with that <laughs> he's done it like four or five times i now. mean the first time i thought it was like legitimately like he tried to shoot and screwed up and like it was a or it was a pass and he's good but no it's just his floater and it's weird it it's take some time. Give him some time. He'll figure it out. <laughs> that is definitely I mean, it's a gone, weird. I think it's the floater I think it's something like that three a point of the guard. Four. It's gone in. It's just a weird yeah. shot form. It just looks weird. I mean, a floater is important for like a point guard, especially. I mean, saving well, especially Lee's one like not exactly undersized. Shoot. Yeah, I would say he's not undersized, and he can like attack the basket, but you still need to be able to finish, and a lot of that's going to come as a floater. So. He also had Hopefully, like an actual true pull-up. It goes yesterday. in, it goes in. But two days ago, yeah. um, the last game we played, uh, Clippers, I think he yeah, had like an actual like pull-up yeah. mid-range shot, which was a new one. Kind of fading <laughs> a bit to his right on the right He's block. He's expanding. Yeah. Uh, right, you got see. another one? Um, yep, I got one more, um, which is... So I feel like Sadiq has been kind of hot and cold a little bit during this year, and I feel like it... People haven't really touched on it as much just because he's been such a surprise, but he has definitely been hot in the past week. Um, and my, I guess my bigger question is, what do we see as kind of the future of Sadiq? I feel like we talked about like where we see Killian, where we see Isaiah Stewart, but like, what could we see down the road from Sadiq Bay? Like, what do you think his ceiling is? Uh, I think there's an all-star in there if, if things break right for him. Um, the mm-hmm. big the big thing is like he has to be able to sustain and you know incrementally improve on the defense because um, that's like the big thing we um, you know we traded Luke Kennard for him or for Stu I can't remember how it is but like he's essentially replacing that mm-hmm. role and like Luke is still a much better offensive player but the reason that I don't think we miss him as much is like Sadiq's a really good defensive player already he's he's already showing promise there yep. So, you know, how much further can he grow offensively without taking a step back defensively? Because usually, 
you know, guys who grow into a bigger role offensively, a lot of times they, they end up, you know, saving their energy. Can he sustain the defense? Yep, yep. And then offensively, um, like we've started to see him get downhill in handoffs and pick and roll situations a little bit, but he's really, really leaning on um, the step back, like fadeaway jumpers in those situations. Mm-hmm. You know, can he get to the rim? Can he start drawing fouls? Um, we've seen him make some passes. I saw him do some pick and roll at Villanova. You know, can he start passing? If he can be a guy that gets you 18 points on really efficient shooting, but also gets you four or five assists because he's, you know, going downhill and, and finding guys and really creating looks while also being a good defender. I mean, he's going to have an outside chance at like an all-star team. Like he could be, uh, you know, that's, that's like where Chris Middleton was before Chris Middleton took like a major leap offensively. And I I can't predict that for anyone, (laughs) but like, if you're poor man's Chris Middleton, like that's a really, really good player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say Chris Middleton is definitely someone who I'd like to like. If that is his ceiling, if that's the player who he becomes, I think that that'd be one of the the kind of the better like outcomes that you could expect. Oh, absolutely. Um, as a player, I've like like kind of that Chris Middleton slash Tobias Harris, kind of that like the wing the wing scorer who's you're not you're not going to be your you don't want to be your best player but if he's your like third best player you have a chance to be really good that's where i think his ceiling is and i feel like he might even have a chance to honestly if he continues to progress offensively i think he even has a chance to be better than that because he does bring like you said so much on the defensive end if he can continue to do that while also still expanding his offensive game like I'm not saying he's going to be you know one of the top players ever in the NBA. He doesn't have that kind of athleticism that you need to be at that level. But the two-way kind of talents that he brings on both sides of the ball, I think he's got a high potential. And I think more than you know either of us had thought at the draft. I think we both liked him as a player coming out of Villanova. But he's definitely impressed. I think kind of the expectation is that he's going to be you know a starter in the NBA for a long time. And I think that's kind of where you should expect his career to go. Um, but I think he does still have that higher upside, higher ceiling than maybe you would have thought about as a, you know, a 21, 22-year-old coming out of college. So well, and that I'm is the thing. very like, excited for him. Older, I'm very happy that so you do you do have to, like, yeah. you, you, you can't expect major leaps in the same way that you might expect out of some of the other guys because he is a little, a little older. Um, not to say that, like, that's mm-hmm. – the end of the world and he can't improve or anything but usually the big leaps happen a little sooner than 22 um i mean yeah i mean there's still i would expect i would expect he at minimum still has one more leap to take in the next one to three years i think he'll yeah if he's going to be the player we expect him to be he'll take a leap in the next couple years before the end of this contract just the crucial thing there so (laughs) i think that'll give us a good indication of what he can be and what he can become all right. Are there things you want to see going forward this week? Can we figure out a goddamn point guard rotation? Like, what is <laughs> happening? We got Kojo plays like 30 minutes, and then you got Frank Jackson, who's now playing like 20 minutes a game. Frank Jackson and is a shooting guard. Killian when he... I know, but he he gets some minutes, I feel like. Well, I guess he doesn't usually get some direct minutes there. He's, he's, he's almost never a point just... guard nowadays. They tried that a little yeah, bit in the beginning, just, but he's he's a shooting guard now, and he's playing really well, for the record. Yeah, he's done well. Don't get me wrong. 
but I'm just I'm just trying to get an understanding because then you got Killian who gets 20 minutes when he plays when he's you know not getting rest. You got Dennis Smith who's getting some minutes in between there. Saban Lee gets cut out some games and then some games he's playing like 15 minutes. It's like can we just decide what we're gonna do? Like can we can we focus this and can we stop playing Kojo yeah. so many minutes? <laughs> I mean, that's my main thing. Is just I get why Kojo plays playing so Kojo. much. I get it. I don't like it, but I get Casey. it. It's, it's. Uh, I do don't. Does? I don't think there's any reason to play Dennis Smith anymore. Like I'm done with the Dennis Smith experiment. He had a few good moments. Yeah. I still don't think there's anything I've seen him do that's like been at a major plus level. And mm-hmm. I don't need that anymore. So like on the Killian rest days, those are Saban Lee days. And that's just how I want that rotation to go. Like, you know, uh, Kojo gets 24 minutes, Saban, or, uh, and then either Saban or Killian gets the other 24. Boom. Done. Yeah. So I know Smith has been having, what, knee injuries he's been, kind of been on and off with. Do you think that's affecting kind of how it's gotten worse, or are you just his play style you're more upset with? You mean, I mean, like, just over the course of this season – uh, it's been his back, I think, that has hurt him. But, like, he isn't the guy he was pre-draft. Like, it was his knee injuries. He's just yeah. not that caliber of athlete anymore. Um, and I didn't love him pre-draft. I don't, um, you know, he's got a bit of that, like, early Jamal Murray thing where, like, he's a shooter who doesn't shoot well, except Jamal Murray became really, really good at it, and Dennis Smith Jr. became <laughs> yeah. not. Um, he's not a good passer. So like, there's just, there's, you know, I, I say all the time when I'm doing draft stuff, like what are, what's a guy's NBA skill that I absolutely know he has. And right now I have no idea what Dennis Smith Jr. does at an above average NBA level. You know, I don't, I don't know what you're putting him on the floor to achieve other than to eat minutes because he's a backup. Like I, I don't see it. Yeah. Long term, I don't, I don't see him on this team, and I kind of wouldn't expect too much, unless like a bare minimum contract. But yeah, my hope I, is that he was just traded here to just be a, a filler, salary filler, is all. Yeah. So like, I, and I, I just I don't see a point to like giving him minutes when I actually really think Saban Lee has very much earned that time. Yeah. I mean, Saban Lee was a draft pick by the Pistons, a pretty high second round pick, like. Sure, he's on a two-way deal technically right now, but he's played pretty well in the minutes he's gotten. So I don't see why he's not getting more, especially like he picked up a uh, DNP like coach's decision against the Kings, right? Like he just didn't play that game. He played just a couple minutes the next game. It's like I don't <laughs> like he's impressed me at least. I don't know what he. I don't know if Casey doesn't see that or what, but I think I would it's mostly like just the rotation, just trying to fit guys in. Yeah, um, which is just kind of frustrating. It's like what does what does Kojo bring to us long term? What does like Dennis Smith Jr. We we had a run with him. Why why is he still getting twenty minutes now? I get why is he Joseph. drawing starts. I I get Co- Joseph because like you need a guy who can just absorb responsibility to keep the rest of the team looking good. I mean that's uh, the should team be getting thirty need- minutes a night though. It's like, a lot. It's, it's a lot, I think it should be but playing, at the same time, but... I don't. I don't necessarily need Killian Hayes to be taking that much more of that time right now. Like I think, no. I think it's been good for Killian to come in for, you know, seven minute stretches twice a game and just get you know nice chunks yeah. like that. Killian, um, 
I don't. Killian, I don't, I'm pretty happy with his and I, minutes. Again, we talked about this like earlier with um, with Seku. Um, like I don't see the point of giving Saban Lee like one like five minute stretch. You know, so like like I said, I would rather yeah. like Saban Lee get the games where Killian Hayes is resting, and there will be another like eight of those for the rest of the season. So that's fine. I still think I would like to see more. He should be he should be still getting some minutes even if Killian is playing. They shouldn't be. I don't think interchangeable there. Like it's just I, too I, much. I just don't know where that comes Kojo because you much. can't play. I don't want Saban Lee playing with Killian. Uh, I think it's just a waste to play Killian in shooting guard right now, and Saban Lee and Corey Joseph together is a nightmare. So I just I don't see a whole lot of point there personally. I think if you get twenty minutes for Killian, ten minutes for Saban Lee, what eighteen minutes for Kojo, move him around maybe a little bit, but I think that should be I don't know. I, a fine I am lineup. Totally, I'm totally happy with just giving him the the Killian minutes because. I mean, he's a second-round pick. He's he's not uh, for him to be getting any minutes is a huge win. So, I mean, the second-round pick that. is a bit of a he was he was a he was like the thirty-eighth pick or something like that. Like he's not. It's not like he was like an end of the second-round pick. Like he was a pretty high-value second-round pick. I mean, and this front office know, doesn't value like second-round picks, minutes, so you can't say he was a high-value anything. It's <laughs> fair. <laughs> that is fair. But I just think, like, some of these minutes that, like, especially Dennis Smith Jr. and even some of the Kojo minutes could be going like, Saban Lee's yeah, way. No so Dennis sure Smith. No more Dennis. He hasn't earned it, and there's no point. So, no more Dennis. Just, yeah. like, while we're on the topic of lineups, no more Ja. Why? <laughs> no more Ja. Definitely <laughs> I forgot no Ja was on the ja team for a while. Killian. <laughs> the, I completely the ja forgot Killian he was on the team until he horrible. came out in the sack game. I was like, what? Yeah, where did he come from? <laughs> that was a nice time when I Awful. forgot he was. He forgot he existed. All right, what else do you see, um, or what else do you want to see? I should say. All right, so for me, uh, so first we've seen a bunch of Seku recently. Um, he with uh, Jeremy Grant mm-hmm. down with a knee injury for a little bit. Uh, we've seen Seku playing. We've seen him getting pretty good long stretches which has been really nice, and we can talk about that in another pod because we'll have plenty of chances, I think. But the big thing I want to see is I want to see Dwayne Casey stomping for Seku uh, when he gets fouled. It's driving me absolutely yeah. insane. Like, four times in the last, like, two games, he's been absolutely hacked, and, like, nobody has complained about a no call. Like, I, I just... This is the like a basic courtesy you extend to everyone on your team is that you, even if it you don't think it's a foul, you pretend like it is and you get up in the ref's face. Like there were a couple that like Dwayne Casey probably should have challenged because they were nearly flagrant in a couple of these fouls, and mm-hmm. he was just like on the bench sitting there, and I I'm not okay with that. I, I need to see you step up and defend your rookie and like give him some of that confidence that you're actually behind him in this. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of been a complaint about Casey with a lot of people. I feel like he's, with the exception of like Blake, who I feel like he stood up for a lot, I feel like he hasn't stood up a lot for like Jeremy Grant in the past year. And I don't think that's necessarily Casey like not 
you know, coming up and defending Jeremy Grant every time he was fouled blatantly. I think it was just Grant has been fouled so many times, Casey just be on the floor constantly. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely been something where he doesn't, I guess, push the refs as much as some of the other coaches in the NBA do. And so. I mean, like, he's not the kind of guy who, like, sits there and badgers them the whole time, like Doc Rivers does. But yeah. at the same time... He doesn't time, have that Thomas Ochi. <laughs> like, you know, there's just, like, there's a, a basic thing. Like, he will get up out of his seat and, like, talk to a ref every now and then. And there's been a few of these where they've been really bad, and it would be a really nice thing to see a coach stand up for your rookies and your sophomores that are basically rookies. Um... I, I just I would like to see that a couple times because it's been pretty noticeable that they've like cut to the bench and it's just like Dwayne Casey being disappointed that Seku like made a mistake except it wasn't a mistake and mm-hmm. he got fouled and didn't get a call and yep. like that just is a bad vibe for me. Mm-hmm. All right, where, where was it my turn? It's your turn. Here. Okay. So something that I want to see um, the Pistons kind of focus on a little bit more. So Jeremy Grant was out, what, the last three games with knee soreness? And in that, I felt like, yeah, I think that was about right. Um, And in that, it seemed like kind of the focus um, was a little bit more on Sadiq Bey and Josh Jackson. And first of all, I (laughs) I want Jeremy to sit out a couple more games every once in a while to avoid that knee soreness, especially as we get towards the end of the season. Like, give him that rest that we don't need, which we talked about a couple times before. Um, but I also want to make sure when, you know, when he is sitting out, I kind of want to see Sadiq Bay, and I'm going back to see Sadiq again, but I kind of want to see Sadiq in that role where he's kind of doing the Jeremy Grant where he's got the ball in his hands a little bit more. He's asked to do a little bit more ISO with Jeremy, you know, sitting out those games. Just kind of see what, see what he can do. Because I know him and Josh have had a couple of really good games with, you know, with Jeremy on the bench. Um, and I just kind of want to see what else we can get out of them and kind of see how accustomed they can do to running an offense through them. Because in the future, you know, we could see some times where, you know, Jeremy's sitting maybe on the bench, get like a, you know, a stretch where he can be out of the game and kind of see if the offense can run through a Sadiq Bay then. So I think that's kind of like Sadiq, I feel like it's been a very good complimentary offensive player where he can kind of like sit in the corner, hit a kick out three, kind of. He hasn't really done a whole lot of pick and roll or anything like that, but I like to see what else he can do in the offense and kind of when he's asked to create, can he be like an ISO score? Yeah, it's actually interesting. I just checked his uh, his usage percent uh, isn't really changed from no. previously. Um, he's he's been hovering around like the eighteen percent mark. He spiked a few, you know, game by game. He'll spike up towards like the twenty five percent usage, and then. Uh, back down to the 16-17 range, and he's had a his last mm-hmm. three games have been about 18, 22, and 24, which are a little high for him, but not like a big leap compared Nothing to. He's, he's had other yeah. stretches where he's been like that, so it was actually kind of interesting that with Jeremy Grant out, he hasn't seen a definitive leap in that regard. Yeah, um, and he's looked good when, <laughs> when he's gotten the opportunity. Him and Josh Jackson both in that in kind of that enhanced role offensively but I'd just like to see him more be more aggressive I guess maybe I don't know if it's Casey not drawn plays up for him or what but just see a little bit more at him uh, and like Casey is not the guy who draws like he doesn't draw plays up 
you know, he they run a system, and you just play your role in the system, and that's kind of how they've always I mean, been. You know, he's not a Rick Carlisle calling the play, or a Stan Van Gundy used to call the play every time. So, um, it's not necessarily the craziest I mean, not, thing. No, that but he's... Jeremy Jeremy does get a lot of opportunities to just kind of create for himself. So, I just like to see Sadiq in that role a little bit more, especially when Jeremy's out. Um, I guess, yeah. I, I mean, it's I I would like to see him doing a little more i'd like to see him just you know when you get the ball you know are you calling for a pick and roll or are you just moving it and doing the next step in the offense kind of thing like i wouldn't mind seeing him call for a, a screen and, and try and do some stuff by himself a little bit more in this period i'm mm-hmm. fine with that um my i guess this is the last thing i have on the want list for now is I would like to see Killian Hayes take a few more like catch and shoot looks. Um, he's been pretty much going towards the rim on everything he touches or swinging the ball immediately. And uh, you know I don't want to see like more like step back threes or anything. I think we saw early on that that still isn't dialed in, and I don't necessarily think that's been fixed. Probably when he's been out, that's probably something he's gonna have to do a lot more work on. But uh, just like more the more like actual good look catch and shoot threes. There's been a couple he's turned down, um, and usually those turning those down doesn't end up doing anything positive because obviously you had the major advantage. Um, so yeah, just I'd, I'd like mm-hmm. to see him take a few and and hopefully make a few. Um, but he's been a little yeah uh, shot shy, just a little. Um, you know, nervous about, I think, putting up jump shots especially. So I'd like to see him grow a little more comfortable in that. Yeah, no, I agree. I'd definitely like to see him just kind of open up a little bit more and kind of take some more shots maybe off a catch. Cause he doesn't really like, – he doesn't get a whole lot of, like, passes thrown to him to catch and shoot. He no. hasn't really been in that role too much, I feel like. so He's only had maybe three or four that, be. that were legitimate opportunities, and I think he turned down three of them, so – Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most when, when he's the like primary ball handler, he's not going to see a whole lot. Yeah, which is true, but I think especially you know when Jeremy Grant is playing, like we have someone who can <laughs> kind of take the ball and have Killian just ro- like hover around him. So yeah, well, yeah, no, and, and, I definitely agree. and I think so. more telling where it's like the times there's been a couple times he's played alongside Corey Joseph, and he's like taken mm-hmm. up positions in the field positions in the field sorry this is the soccer guy in me coming out. he's taken up like spots on the court <laughs> where like he um he's clearly playing to like be the quick pass guy instead of the space the the floor and shoot guy and like mm-hmm. i appreciate that mentality from a um like I, I think that's good for the team that you want to do that but like also we definitely need you to be like actually a little more aggressive in looking for your shot and obviously if you can prove to be a threat spacing the floor then that's good so yeah yep okay all right anything else you want to talk about before we head on no let's get to our prospect of the week all right so i picked this prospect based on a little bit of buzz i've heard about him on pistons twitter and i feel like we need to correct the record on that uh, so the prospect for this week is Davion Mitchell. Oh, oh, you went all the way down him. the draft board. Um, exactly, but some people apparently don't think it's that far down the draft board. No. <sighs> so here's the thing about Davion Mitchell. 
is first of all he will be almost 23 when the draft comes around um Jeez. like he he will have been one of the oldest draftees in Pistons history period so um that would that would be a big negative the other thing is he just hasn't actually got a great track record like people saw him shooting mm-hmm. crazy amounts of threes this year and uh, to his credit, he made a crazy amount of threes. But his freshman year at Auburn, he shot 29% on a low volume. His uh, He sat out for a year, transferred to Baylor, and then shot 32% last year on three and a half threes a game and then shot up to 45% on almost five threes a game this year. That leap... Hmm is just like really disconcerting because his free throw percentage has actually gone down yep. year over year. He started at 68, <laughs> yep, went to 66 and is now at 65%. And traditionally free throw percentage is a very good indicator of future three point shooting percentage. Uh, and in fact, yep. there are a lot of like stats, people who've done some analysis that say they think it's actually a better indicator of future three point shooting percentage. Um, it's pretty telling. Like Tankathon has a uh, an algorithm they put stuff through, and you know Mitchell obviously is coming into this season with a forty five percent three point shooting, and yet they project him to be maybe a thirty five percent three point shooter, which isn't great. He mm-hmm. doesn't have, um, he's not a crazy good finisher or anything. Like it's, he's not making up for it amazingly in other places. Um. So that's that's the big thing. It's like he was really, really good this year in uh, the the tournament, especially because he was making like really high difficulty threes. And there's just not a lot of evidence to support that being like a future thing you can count on. On the flip side of the equation, um, he's a good passer. He makes good passing reads. He is a monster defender. He's a very physical defender. He's got pretty good size for a point guard. Um, I don't. I don't think he's a good passer in the way that you would want a point guard to be a good passer. I don't think he's that kind of player. But like, if he's your undersized shooting guard, um, you know, he's a good passer for the for the the second dairy ball handler. Um, he can be kind of like a Patrick Beverly. Where he's the like he's the nominal point guard, but you have another guy actually bringing the ball up the floor and doing point guard stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So so, I think that is the NBA comparison you're really looking for. Is like you have this guy who's six two, probably has like a six seven six eight wingspan. He's got pretty good long arms. I think um, he's listed at two oh five. He might even be heavier. He's a very thick, um, strong dude. And so you're looking at a guy who's a very good defender, pretty good on-ball defender, and um, who can probably hit maybe open threes. I don't know that the step back's consistent. And who can move the ball and do the basic stuff. But, like, again, we're talking about a guy who's almost 23, and there's just, like, how do I put this? There is plenty of, of reasons to take... Davion Mitchell at like pick 12 to 18 the Pistons shouldn't be any further than like 7th and there's just 
no great track record of picking 23 year olds top 10 mm-hmm. yeah it's not it's not where you want to go for someone like that no like obi um, Toppin what i see in mitchell is is yeah. like the guy from last year that everyone points to us like see he was a great college player and it's just like not it's obviously not translating in part because like it's not just the years of development like if you draft Davion Mitchell, you're giving up a chance at almost three to four years of developing um, like a Scotty Barnes who's less than 20 or um, like a Jonathan Kaminga will be 18 and a half years old when uh, when on like on draft day and uh, Davion Mitchell will be 22.6. So that's three years of development. And it's not just three years of like skill development. It's also three years in which that like 18, 19, 20 range is really crucial for guys to like learn how to think at game speed and um, develop like reaction speeds and develop like the processing of basketball. And, um, mm-hmm. So, like, you're losing that. You're Now, Davion Mitchell's played at a pretty high level the last couple of years, so hopefully that translates, but that's a big thing is, like, if you get too well-trained to take advantage of things you see in college, you know, um, like, there are little windows of opportunity, right? You get your shoulder ahead of somebody, and now you can drive on them and whatever. If you get too well-trained to take mm-hmm. advantage of the windows you see in college that aren't there in the NBA – it's really hard to unlearn that. Whereas if you learn that stuff in the NBA or at least in the G league against like the true athletes and and the, the adults that you're going to normally be playing with, it's a lot easier to translate. So there's just, there's a lot of stuff you're going to miss out on. Um, and the thing that is Mitchell just doesn't have great size either to like take advantage of. Um, like Sadiq Bay was older, Mm -hmm. but, and, and obviously Sadiq's not a great athlete. Um, but like he's also just a wing, like he's a wing-sized player, and yeah. that gives you a lot of <laughs> of leeway that somebody who's six two doesn't have. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, my opinion with Davion Mitchell is, of course, I like him because he's a dog. He will go out there and he will give a hundred and ten percent effort on the floor at all times. That's something that yeah. I I picked up on watching Baylor, especially in the tournament. Like he's gonna he's gonna give it a all. That doesn't mean you pick someone in the lottery, especially for all those weaknesses that we saw. The the free throw percentage, that scares me, especially when you have someone who's an undersized point shooting guard, like shooting 60, what, 60% at the line or 65% at the line is, is not good. No. It's very, very not good. <laughs> and that scares me a lot. And it scares me that he's like, he's, he's 6'2". Like he has a long he has a long wingspan, I get that. But he's somewhere he's not like a good enough ball handler or passer to play point guard. And yet he doesn't have the shooting or kind of this kind of that uh size to play shooting guard. So I just I don't see what his fit will be. And he's someone where if you get if he like falls in the draft we trade up to get him at the end of the first, like I'd I'd be very happy with that pick. But where the Pistons are at currently I do not want. He's not kind of the the long term project that I want the Pistons to be going for at the beginning of this draft. So no, and I think P- 
people on Pistons Twitter have gotten carried away with him, and yeah. I don't quite understand the infatuation. The the other thing to look at is he has a he only averaged two 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 and a half free throws a game, um, mm-hmm. so he's also not the kind of guard who's like getting into the paint and really like threatening people. Like he, he people think of him as a good athlete because he's strong, but he's not the kind of guy who's like getting into shot blockers. Like that's free throw attempt rate is another like really good thing to project forward, and mm-hmm. he's got a pretty pretty poor free throw attempt rate. So like his teammate Jared Butler I I like much better. Much better than oh, yeah. I like Davion Mitchell. Butler um, is you know guys I like really James like Booknight <laughs> and Moses Moody and even uh Keon Johnson um we can talk about all those guys in another segment individually but like there are several names of guys who are better athletes uh more appropriately sized for the NBA and who just have like better statistical profiles that that and are also significantly younger. So, um, yeah. I mean, I just look at him and I I think of like a like I know the oh god what's the, the point guard or the guard for Illinois? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But Io Desumo isn't he Desumo? Yeah. So I believe he declared for the draft. And he's someone who I want to say is he's not projecting the first round. I don't know where exactly he's projected to, but. He'd be someone who I'd kind of like. I would probably rather have him than Davion Mitchell. Like I just feel more yeah. comfortable. Maybe that's because I've seen him play a lot more. But he like I, I feel I like can... he, they both bring kind of the same thing to the to the table. Yeah, Desumo is also a little older, so I like it's not quite as clear cut. But yeah, um, trying to remember the name of the former Virginia point guard. Um. This is gonna drive me nuts because I was a big fan. <laughs> or Virginia point guard doesn't in college. I think it's Virginia, Virginia Tech maybe. Um, I was pretty sure he went to the Grizzlies, and I'm looking at the Grizzlies thing, and I can't find his name. Oh, uh, this is bad podcasting. Drafts? Do you know when he? Do you know when he was drafted? At least last couple of years. Was he on the Mavericks at down. some point? Uh, it's it's so bad. Point guard for it's, it's very embarrassing this that I can't remember this out. guy's name. Um, no, Ty Jerome. No, he's like bald, has a big beard. He's he's very uh, Javon Carter. There it is, West Virginia. It was West, West Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Javon Carter literally just guy. found him. Holy crap! Yeah, who like? Um, Can we talk about how Javon Carter went right before Jalen Brunson, Devonte Graham, and then yeah, Gary Trent Jr. and Mitchell Robinson? Jeez, Jalen Brunson's one of those guys. Where I was like, how is nobody going to draft Jalen Brunson? Jalen Brunson is freaking fantastic at basketball, and I said the same thing about Graham as well. They're both it's just great. <laughs> Graham was they, a, they Graham was an short. interesting one. But, uh, like, Brunson, I just knew, like, I was like, Brunson's never going to be a starter. He's also always going to be a really good basketball player. And I just, I had that. But, like, Carter was another guy who was, like, elite defensive player in college. Um, Mm -hmm. Another guy who had kind of a shaky three-point shooting history, um, who was a little undersized. And, like, that's kind of how I feel about Davion Mitchell. It's just, like, I'm not sure I can trust... Um, and, and again, um, 
I don't I don't uh, think that's Carter a really good comparison. Is, Looking at Carter, he was shooting 85% his senior year at the free throw line, shooting 40% from the field. So I don't think you can throw him in that same camp as like a bad shooter. No, like, well, but he's another yeah, guy who like pretty, he shot good 31% numbers. from three, then he shot 30% from three, and then he shot 39% from three his last two years. And he has a little better touch yeah. uh, at the line, that's for sure. But like he's another guy who like saw a big spike, and then you look at him um, – in the NBA, and he's had very rocky three-point shooting. Like he shot thirty-three percent his first year, then forty-three percent, and now he's back mm-hmm. to thirty-five percent. And it's just like all up and down. So, um, I just yeah. I, I look at Davion Mitchell and I think that there's I don't want to say there's not an NBA player in there, but I don't think there's a lottery player in there. And I think the path to him being yeah like a legitimate star is pretty cloudy compared to several other prospects in this draft where I can tell you the three things they need to do to be, you know, a legitimate star. Yeah, no, I agree completely. He's someone who, I mean, we're probably going to look at this, we're going to look back in five years and he's going to be drafted to like the Spurs or something like that. He's going to be phenomenal. And we'll look back in hindsight and be wrong about it. But for the Pistons team, he just doesn't make sense. He just doesn't make sense with that roster. He doesn't make sense with that organization, that team, so... Yeah, that's all I got to say just, about There's Davey so Anderson. many guys who are better gambles at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's not what we need to be looking for. So, But we'll be back next week with hopefully a prospect that will be closer to what we want on the Pistons. <laughs> and watch me just completely say <laughs> Watch me forget about that, and next week we bring up someone who's even worse. So, <laughs> Yeah, next <laughs> next week we're going to be talking about the, the 75th pick in the draft that doesn't actually have 75 hey, picks. Hey. Oh, don't make fun of McCur McCur, okay? <laughs> Jesus, I don't know if I've even watched McCur McCur. Thon is just well. I looked at his Tankathon. <laughs> he played two games apparently this year. I don't know. I don't know how he even played games to be honest. I literally. <laughs> he's probably he's probably like what a half a mile away from me right now. If he's still at Howard, I don't know where he's currently <laughs> yeah, living. Yeah, I, I doubt he's. <laughs> I live right well, next he to the might still be at Howard. I don't even know if he's entered the draft. That would be a good question. Yeah. See, he made eight <laughs> of eight free throws one game. That's good. Yeah. He gets the line, apparently, that <laughs> the two games he played. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, go McCurr. Yep, it's going to translate All really right. well to a good three-point percentage of the NBA. That. <laughs> okay. Clearly. This has gone off the rails. <laughs> the whole <sighs> train's just pouring gasoline everywhere. <laughs> or coal, or what right. trains are powered by nowadays? <laughs> trains are more coal. I mean, nowadays probably electricity, I think. I don't even uh. know. Diesel? Oh, the Pistons. We got a doubleheader this weekend. The Pistons play the Thunder, and then in Washington, maybe I'll sneak over to the game. I'll go watch the Pistons play live. I haven't done that all year. So. <laughs> You're going to bribe a Looks a like that's going to be the last chance I got. Let you, let I you think it's open. The, uh, I think the uh, they ha- it has to be open. There's baseball games. You can go watch a baseball game. You got to be able to watch a basketball what's the, game. Uh, right? The trellises up top, just like watch the watch the whole game from the catwalks. <laughs> oh, there are some phenomenal catwalks in in the Washington Wizards Arena, the Capital One Arena. So that actually might not be a bad place to grab a, to catch a game. It would be a fascinating. <laughs> I I swear the camera angle from there would be great. All right. The, tr- yeah. the train officially got <laughs> right, off the rails, know. back on the rails, only to fall off the other side. Uh, it's kind of like tubing, you know? <laughs> you just go from one side of the wake to the other. Uh, never in the middle. <laughs> that's a perfect analogy. <laughs> so we will talk to people. All right. That's all. That's week. all. <laughs>
Yep, we'll see you all then. Peace out. Goodbye.